AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yep, yep, ghetto boys is back and reloaded. All in your mind, yeah, now deep throated. This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded. Disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated And they know it, we speak the truth so they quote it Cause we wrote it, the north, south, the east coast It's the GB knocking, we keeping your head bobbing It ain't no stopping And once the beat drops in Violins, the system is so corrupt They throw the rock out their hands and then blame it on us GB, don't get it twisted On code and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits it's Willie D, y'all. Ghetto boys in the house. Reloaded with another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio, the people's champ, Paul Wall, ladies and gentlemen. What it do? Paul Wall, man. It's good to see you, Yes, man. sir. Likewise, man. Thank yeah. you for having me, man. Man, what's up with this energy you got about yourself, man? You light that room up, boy. It ain't, <laughs> it ain't the gold, man. It ain't the grill, man. It's, hey. it's you, man. It's your... It's your your presence, your hey, persona. Thank you, man. Praise yeah. praise God for that, man. You know, I think, honestly, though, it's something that if I was to walk in a room and it'd be empty, it, my energy's different. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, getting out of bed in the morning, it'd be like, oh, man, I get out of bed. But as soon as, I don't know, I, I, I'm around other people, 
It's just something that bring it out of me. And my wife will always, she get on me because she'd be yeah. like, man, you be in a bad mood till we see other people. Right. And it, it don't have to be like somebody who's like, pow, wow. You know, just a random person. If I just bump into a random person who don't have a clue who I am, it's just something that energy will just come out of me. But when it's just me, boy, I'm, I'm sluggish, <laughs> boy. Man, I'm, man, yeah. Uh, man, let's take it all the way back. Let's. Let's take a walk yeah. through Paul Wall's journey. Let's go all the way back to Georgetown, Texas. Yes, sir. It all started. Yeah. Walk us through a young Paul Slayton. Mm. What's that like growing up? Well, my grandfather was in the military. His family, my both my grandparents, their family came from North Carolina. But when he joined the military, he never looked back, never went back. He... uh you know, was stationed all around the, the world. Uh, you know, he was in East Germany before the Berlin Wall fell, uh, everywhere from Jerusalem to, you know, he was in certain Korean War. You know, he was in World War II all, all over. So my mother, who was born in 1953, she grew up, she was born actually in El Paso, but, you know, grew up all around the world. So they landed in Austin or Buda, which is like right outside of Austin, like 10 minutes from 6th Street. Buda? Buda. B-U-D-A. I thought it was, is, it, is that Buna, Texas? Because I thought Buna? it was Buna, Buna, Texas. I don't know. I this know one's different. Buna, this one's Buda, though. This Buda. Because they get on me. Okay. Because I say it wrong. And they're like, nah, you're saying it wrong. You got to say it right. Yeah. It's Buda. Okay, it's right they... by Kyle. It's yeah. like 10 minutes from 6th Street. It's, back then, you know, we go on there. It's, okay, it's, it's forever from 6th okay, Street. Okay, well, that's different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you're right. Okay. Now we, now we go there. These are different cities. Yeah. Yeah. We go to now, we're like, man, this is right down the street from 6th Street, man. Oh, but, yeah, anyway, when my mom was pregnant, that's where she was at. And I guess the closest hospital was in Georgetown. So being born in Georgetown. And then my mom, she lived right in, uh, in like, Hempstead, Waller mm -hmm. at the time. So she just, you know, we, we lived in my grandparents' house out there, you know, till I was, I don't know, maybe six months old or something. And then moved to, you know, where my mom actually lived. Which was right out in you know right outside of Prairie View, right there in Waller, and then when my mom, uh, you know, she was a single parent, and when she met my stepfather, that's when we moved really closer into Houston. This when I was maybe five years old, six years old, and we lived right off of like two ninety or out there, a little closer in, and and it's, it's what it was, you know like, what I'm saying? Like two ninety, like Jersey Village? Nah, it was like, like um Fairbanks, so almost, but not not quite. Jersey Village. It's like one of the things where you're on the, the outskirts looking in where you're like, damn, they got money over here. But then you go a little further into your house and you're like, well, why we ain't got no money like all the neighbors we just passed up. <laughs> but it's, a, you know, it's it's one of the things when you get to experience a, a mixture. You know, I, we, I lived in a, a very mixed community. So racially, economically, it was very mixed. So it was you know, Kamina lived down the street from me. He was my best friend. And of course, you know, we grew right. up best friends. Um, but there were also other people. My boy Vu, he was Vietnamese. It was all kind man, all kind of races and everything. But I think economically, the mixture is really what, like, taught me a lot. Because you would see people who came from, you know, all type of wealth. And they just had a, a, an, an attitude about themselves. Sometimes it was, like, almost entitled. And then you see people who came from nothing. 
And they would, their entitlement was, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to find a way where the other entitlement, where you, you, you're you given everything, the entitlement is you expect everything to be given to you. But when you see people, like I say, who didn't have anything, they would have this attitude about, man, I'm going to find a way to go get it. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I, hard work was something that was instilled into me, you know, at a young age, being grateful and, you know, just doing your best, you know, not coming up with excuses, not complaining, you know, because you always, like I said, I could see right there, clear as day, no matter how bad I had it, it was somebody across the street who had it worse and somebody across the street who had it better. So it's like you always are taking like an audit of your life of, you know, how, how good I got it. Is it better than them? Should I be happy? A lot of times you weigh it with materialistic things. If you get something new or, you know, you, you get showered with gratitude and joy and love, then all of a sudden you feel good about yourself or you get something, like I said, materialistic, you feel good about yourself. But, you know, when I would see the people that would truly be happy, the happiness, the joy that they would have, it would be because of the people that was around them. Not because of any materialistic thing. You know, of course, you're going to get happy if you get a new car or something or, you know, something like that. It's your birthday. You got some nice gift or something. But the the people that really I saw that had the real joy, it was the, the other people around them that brought the joy out, not the materialistic things. And usually, man, the people that had the most materialistic things, they were also, you know, in a high stress work environment. And life environment. So they seemed miserable. They didn't seem happy in their marriages. You, you know what I'm saying? They didn't seem happy with their kids. They didn't seem happy with any part of their family, like extended families. And it just was, man, I, you know, you see which path do I want to walk down? Who do I want to be like? What do I, I want to be happy when I grow up. You know what I'm saying? Which one of these people is happy? I'm going to follow the people that's happy. And who did you want to be like? Is that? particular person in, in your family or maybe somebody on television or radio or whatever man i don't know uh it's tough maybe my grandfather you know he's somebody i always looked up to and admired he also was somebody who, man. yeah he, he was a he was a, a you know somebody that was always had a good attitude and you know he taught me at a, a very young age you know that one time, I remember one time I, you know, I asked him something like, man, is there anything you don't like? Anybody you don't like or anybody you hate? Like, and he was like, yeah, I hate bigots. And he, so it was something he always mm -hmm. instilled in me at a young age. Like, if you a bigot under any circumstance, then he's not uh, he for you. What's your granddaddy name? William. William. Yeah, rest in peace, man. My rest grandpa, man. Peace. Yeah. Rest in peace, William. Man. Hey. And look. The dude fly already. His name, yeah, William. yeah. You know what I'm saying, yeah. And you know what? As a wheel, as a what? Yeah, you yeah. Know what I'm saying, yeah. That's what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, sir. Man. Now, were you an inquisitive kid? Did you play mm. sports? I did, but it was one of those things where I played it because my friends played it. Uh, played t ball. I remember, <laughs> I remember being in kindergarten. I played t ball, and I got MVP. But I was sorry. I was sorry. And I was like, Mama, how I get MVP? I'm I ain't I'm sorry I didn't get not one hit the whole year. I'm talking about T ball. I'm striking yeah. out every time I'm at bat. And she was like, Well, you want me to tell you the truth? They picked your name out of hat. And I was like, for real? But I ain't care. I got the, you know, I, we want a free trip to Pizza Hut. Oh, so I was like, man, I'm going to Pizza Hut. That's how I got it through my name. I was like, okay. I'm thinking to myself, is this how it work? Like, is this how Barry Bonds got MVP? That bitch, they might have had to. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking like that. But 
I, I remember too, like the last game of the season on on T ball. I'm walking, and you know, you see the the next level up when you you walking past them, and you know, the, yeah. the live the fast pitch. Even though you know, I might have been five, they might have been eight. It was still like a big step up, and I was just walking by like. Man, ain't no way I'm gonna be able to hit them balls coming that fast. I was like, oh, this might be my last year of baseball. And then growing up, me and Kameen there, you know, we we love basketball, so we would play basketball. Man, we'd go to any park we would find, and it, anywhere there was some hoops, we would go pull up and play basketball. But even football, I was always like, you know, I was athletic, so I was strong, or very strong, and I had a like a, a, a you know good attitude and a, you know a hard work ethic, so. You know, those are those are all you know characteristics that could lead you to have a good sports career. But uh, man, I just remember when we would lose a game, it'd be people crying, and I wouldn't care. Like I, I don't know, maybe because I had you know issues going on at home, real life that was like worthy of crying about. Whereas like you know, we lose a game here, it has no effect on my life whatsoever. You know, of course I want to win, but. I'm not, you know, I can still, you know, this is not going to affect whether I can eat tonight or. Because you're going to yeah. get the MVP no matter what. <laughs> yeah, they're going to pick my name out the head no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was something I liked. Though. I, I like the camaraderie of sports. I like the, you know, the teamwork that was taught. You know, when you're down, you got to, you know, fight back and never give up. All those type of things, they really, they go far, you know, saying in building character and, you know, a young person who's looking for, you know, somewhere looking for a direction in life. So it it did it did really provide a lot for me. Even even though like the athletic side of it was like, I could you know what I'm saying they tell you at a young age you could do anything. You know, you want to go to the pros, you could do it. You want to go be president, you could do it. And I believed it. I bought into most of that for the most part. But at the same time, I'm just thinking like, man, you know. I don't, I, I could work 24 hours a day for the next 20 years. I don't know if I'm going to the NFL. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm going to the NBA. <laughs> I might, you know what I'm saying? And it's, if I put in every ounce of effort I could do, is it possible? It, it might be possible because you see size-wise, you know, I'm six foot tall, but size-wise, you see people that'll be, you know, like Spud Webb, you know, our generation. You see younger people that would be, I mean, shorter hope. people that would be like, oh, give you hope, like, man. Yeah. But then I see Spud Webb dunking and stuff. I'm like, man, <laughs> nah, Muggsy Bowes dunking. Like, nah, <laughs> man. They still could dunk. I'm barely, I'm barely touching the bottom of the backboard. You know right. what I'm saying? I'm struggling to touch the bottom of the net. So I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know if this is for me, man. I'm, I like the sports, but I, I would see myself more as like, you know, that's why I got the nickname the Water Boy, cause look, I'm a I just wanna be on the team. Yeah. Uh, we talking about the Astros. Look, hey, I, I I what's the lowest position I can be to win a ring if the Astros win a World Series? <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. I know I know I can't be you on just the actual be on team. The team. Yes, let me just be on the winning team. I could be the parking team. attendant. Exactly. I don't care, man. Just let me yeah. be on the team. Okay. Well, that's close to me because I don't want to be the parking attendant, but I, <laughs> but I do want to be on the team. Yeah, I, I, and I will be that. I'm that dude that will, I will dive for the loose ball and bust my head to yeah. the right knee to get that ball. Yeah, for it to help us win. That's me. I hold yeah. the most dangerous player yeah. on the team. Yeah. Now, d don't pass you me need, the ball on the open layup. You need those five. You, yeah. You, you, hey, you need those five fouls. Yeah, yeah. Put me in yeah, the game. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You, you need, yeah. Don't don't put me at the free throw line <laughs> with the game on line. Yeah. But if you need me to give a foul, right. I'll do it. Yeah. Right. You well, need me to go six, chase the ball. It's six down. fouls now, right? Is it six fouls? Yeah. Five? Yeah. So you need those six fouls. 
put yeah. me in the game. But, but also, you know, if, you, if I need to pass the ball, if I need to, if I if you need to take me out the game, yeah, yeah, and put somebody in better to yeah. help us win. I'll be on the sideline with, yeah, with, with the, the towel. towel. Yeah, come on, you got it. You know it. what I'm saying? Like, I want to win. Man. That's me, man. That's me all win. day. Yeah. Man, you mentioned Chameleon, and it's hard to mention you without, without mentioning Chameleon. It's just like it's hard to mention me without mentioning Ghetto Boys. Yeah. Or, you know, a Scarface or Bushwick, right? You know, it, you guys are synonymous, you know, like, and y'all joined at the hip. Yeah. At what point... Did you and Chameleon decide that you wanted to pursue a career in hip hop? I remember being a young age. You know, I've known him since I was about six years old, five years old. Uh, and I, I remember maybe even as far back as that, you know, just being on the school bus, freestyling, you know, being mm -hmm. at the lunch table, everybody rapping, everybody freestyling. It wasn't something that, that I did. It was something that everybody did. So... Uh. If, you know, as it's going around the table, you know it's coming to you, so you better, you know, be prepared. And I always had a knack for it. Kamina always had a knack for it. And I think that's what kind of let – we shine. Every time we would, we would freestyle, do something, we'd shine. And it just, you know, it, it, the doors opened up for us. And I don't mean, like, industry-wise or record label-wise or something like that. I, I just mean just, just the, the doors opened up for us to show us that this could be a career path. If we if we put our heart into it and we put our, you know, hard work ethic, like I said, all of the characteristics, we put all that into it, this could be a career path. And that's when, you know, I bought into the, well, shit, I could do whatever I want to. I can achieve whatever I want to in life. And he started looking around and say, well, there ain't nobody been from my neighborhood been a professional rapper. But then you look at it too, like, okay, Man, hip hop still as a genre or art form is still relatively young. Even in them days, I remember, you know, watching MTV or other whatever, and they would just treat hip hop like it was a stepchild of the music industry. Like, oh, that's a cool little fad y'all got going on there, but it's gonna be out of here in five years. Like, you know, you know, as the styles of hip hop change, you know, uh, you'll see some people that'll be like. Man, I can't wait till this era of hip hop's over, you know, because whatever they don't like. Maybe they don't like, you know, how the beats are or, or the subject matter or whatever, but it'll be people that, man, I can't wait till this era of hip hop is over and it goes to the next. That's kind of seemed how it was like uh, for the other genres of music. They were like, man, I can't, I can't wait till this fad of music, hip hop is over and we can get back to rock and everything, whatever else they were, in, were into. But I, I never, you know, I always saw beyond that, like, Nah, this is uh, this is not gonna be. Maybe maybe it's temporary for mainstream stay, but nah, hip hop is not going anywhere. Just because it was, man, the people that that had a, a love for it, it wasn't just you know a casual. You just listen to some music that you like. It was a, a passion. Where when you listen to something hip hop wise, you are proud of it, and you you feel an obligation to put other people onto it. Man, Willie, did you hear this new song I got right? Man, look at look at it. Not, not, you know, not my own person, but you heard this song I heard on this mixtape, this verse. Somebody did you know freestyle? Man, you gotta hear that boy went off. You know, you just feel obligated to put other people onto dope music. Uh, and I don't know. I, I always, I, I never thought I would have a career as an artist. But I always thought I was going to be on the, on team. the team. Yeah. yeah. I, so that's why I was like, man, you know, my dream at the time was to be a DJ, you know, because 
personally, I didn't like main, the mainstream music I would hear. I liked the, you know, the deep cuts on the album or the, the B-sides. Or, you know, I would listen to an album and I'd have my favorite song. Like, man, this song jamming. And then it'd be the song you hear on the radio or you see on TV. And it'd be like, it wouldn't be the same song. The song you see on TV and the radio was not the song that I would be like, man, why they not playing this, this song jamming? So as a DJ, I could control what I play. I would just play what I want to hear. Whatever I want to hear, that's what I'm going to play. So I would, you know, whatever I'm normally listening to in my car or whatever, that's what I would play when I'm DJing. And it wouldn't be necessarily the same things as on the radio. Uh, but that was just that passion of just loving, you know, hip-hop. And that was my dream dream goal was to be a DJ. And even beyond that was like, okay, what else can I do? I love promotions, passing out flyers, doing marketing, things like that. So it was something that was a that was a that was my uh, entrance into the 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 hip hop industry. The, the rap industry was doing street promotions, passing out flyers, the scrub was that work. For switch out, switch out. It was even before that. This is when I started doing this. It was for I first first started off. Uh, actually, it, it, it was for switch out. I was fourteen, and they used to do uh, parties. Michael Watts, Ron C, Smooth G. They would do parties at the All Star. This place called the All Star. It was like a Sports complex, like batting cages, stuff like that, arcade. And they throw parties over. It's right by my neighborhood. So they throw parties there on like Friday nights, like high school parties. So I would go to the parties, but they would never pass out flyers at my school. The school I went to was Jersey Village. I would always know about it. My god sister went to Eisenhower. So we see the flyers at Eisenhower, and I'd be like, man, I'd go up to Michael Watson and run see, man, hey, how come y'all ain't got no flyers going around these other schools? And they'd be like, well, we don't know nobody at the schools. Man, let me pass out the flyers. And it was like, all right, you want to pass them out? Go ahead. And then it got to the point where I would make my own flyers for the events. And it was just high school. So it wasn't like, you know, like it, it wasn't like a, you know, Drake in concert and I'm making my own. Hey, Drake in concert, I'm making my flyer for it. It's just some high school party type stuff. So I'd make my own flyers, go to Kinko's, get them pressed up, pass them out of my school or whatever other schools I'd go to. Uh, we had the track meets, basketball games, whatever. I'd pass out the flyers. And then when Friday night would come around, you'd see people from my school or the schools I went to there and they'd be like, oh, it's working. The flyers are working. And actually, at that time, I went to school with uh, OG. Ron, I mean, I'm sorry, I went to church with OG Ron C. with his uh, his mom, his stepdad, his sisters. Me and his cousin were best friends. He gave me, he the one gave me the nickname Paul Wall. So they, you know, that was kind of you the nickname. My Paul boy Wall. Brandy Sykes, my boy B Sykes, and we matter of fact, we worked at uh, we were working at James Coney Island at the time. And I would just be in there freestyling and rapping. And he just would always say, man, I'm going to call you Paul Wall. You know, a Houston thing, everybody, every name rhyme. You know, Kiki, Poyo, Screw Zoo. You got, you know. Okay. So he's like, man, I'm going to give you a nickname, Paul Wall. I think he might have knew somebody that he, like, went to school with who actually had the name Paul Wall. And he was like, nah, your name Paul? Nah, you Paul Wall. So he, I used to hate it because at the time I had a rap name. You know what I'm saying? My rap name? rap name was a Cape Crusader. Overflow, oh, yeah. overflow the Cape Crusader. <laughs> so, Paul Wall got a little nice little ring to it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, overflow the Cape Crusader was like, man, that's the name <laughs> I'm trying to push. And then we'd be at the the parties, and Ron C would be like, "Hey, B Sykes in here. Hey, 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 what's your boy name? Go to church with my mama. Paul Wall. Paul Wall in here." And I'd be like, "Man, don't say Paul Wall, man, because people that go to my school, they don't know me as Paul. They know me as Paul Slayton. So, they, hey, you heard, you heard him give me a shout out." 
Man, he said Paul Wall. He ain't say you. You ain't Paul. Man, I'd be like, oh man. Shit, don't don't say Paul Wall, man. They know me as something else, man. They say the Cape Crew say overflow. Man, hell nah, I ain't saying that. <laughs> Paul Wall in here. And I'm like, oh man. Everywhere I go, be sites, hey, this is my boy Paul Wall. Man, quit telling people that's my name. And then I go somewhere without them. They Paul Wall, what's up? And they're like, a true nickname, man. One of the ones you don't like to stick with you and everybody called, but it it, it stuck. But I, I just I, I don't know, man. I, I saw a career path in hip hop as a DJ doing street promotions, marketing. It was just I just loved hip hop. I wanted to be a part of it some type of way. And um, when they let me pass out them flyers, that took me to another level where I would then go to the college parties and they'd be like, because at the high school parties, the record labels would come. They'd have representatives there. They would be like. Cause it's a straight high school environment. They'd be, you know, want to they want to tap into the high school environment too to promote whatever artists. If Willie D got an album coming out, okay, it'd be rapping out in the house promoting it. Willie D got an album coming out, so I would see people from record labels there doing promotions, and I would just, hey man, how can I get down with you? My boy Five Four, my boy Ace, my boy Lump, and they were, you know, Lump and. Um, Asia, they handled like the big, big accounts like Universal, Def Jam, No Limit, you know, Cash Money. Priority. And yeah, yeah priority. Yeah. So this is anything that's hip hop was coming through them. And of course, if you do marketing, you always looking for a good flyer passer outer. You know what I'm saying? I was the guy passing Somebody the flyer. Go, now I gotta ask you this. I gotta ask you this. And this is this is very relative to anybody who's ever passed out flyers. <sighs> Have you ever dumped a box of flyers Man, in the trash? Never. <laughs> I, I I would do I would do this with my homeboy, and he would dump the flyers, and I'd be like, bro, somebody gonna find that, man, and they gonna come, it's gonna come back on us. And he'd be like, man, they ain't gonna find out, and they gonna know. And he'd dump like a whole box and then leave like a little stack and just pass them out like he's still doing it. But nah, not me, because I don't know. I just I I was always taught by my mama that God's always watching. God's always watching. So you can, you know, you might scam somebody or get over on your parents as a teacher, but God's always watching and that yeah. karma going to come back. So I, I would always just want to do right, not because I'm being seen and I'm doing right, but because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So I felt like I, I, I really bought into that. Really, like, man, if I do good, it's going to come back. If bad happens to me, that's all right. You got to, you know, grin and bear it, fight through it, keep a positive attitude, and the, ver the reverse is going to happen. Good is going to start to come come to you. You know, uh, you know, some people, especially this day and age, I see a lot of people who, like, match energy. Like, oh, you want to be a hoe? Fuck it, I'm going to be a hoe too. But, I mean, I've always felt like there's more power in just – maintaining a, a, a level head, uh, you know, if if you, you keeping e even killed, you know, a demeanor about yourself. Because if all it takes to set you off is just some random person to come up to you and say a few words and then they set you off and you didn't shot somebody or stab or kill somebody or cut somebody or, or, or even if they just took your energy and now all of a sudden you're having a horrible day because they said some words to you. It's like, man, I yeah. feel like you giving them all the power. I, I feel powerless. If that's all it takes, somebody got to come up and say some words to me, then I have no power over my energy. I'm giving the whole world power. Ghetto Boys Reloaded Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. 
Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. 
I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is there anything that somebody could say that could get under your skin enough that could trigger you enough to make you want to caused them bodily harm. Definitely. It's happened in the past, but, you know, it's just situations you learn from and you just really try to, you understand, especially today's day and age where everything is social media-based, cloud-based, you captured on video, troll, you know, type of thing. So I'm prepared for it now. And, you know, if you keep, like I say, if you keep a, a cool, calm demeanor, I'm not saying let somebody just cold come up and disrespect you and just completely disrespect you and, you know, let somebody just handle you. But I mean, you know, if it says a lot more about a person, if you, if they talk crazy to you and you just don't care, I'm bothered by it, you know, then whether they, they say something to you and you just are oh, ready to fight, whatever. I, I, and man, I got a lot of friends like that. Like a lot of my friends, they never left the neighborhood, never left, never went to the other side of town. You know, I grew up on the North side. So a lot of people I grew up with, the only time they ever went to the South Side was to go to Astroworld. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Astroworld. Anything else? Nope, they're not going. Same same likewise, you know, my boy Goo. He he grew up in South Park. When I met him, he would not go past the Galleria. I remember, <laughs> I remember one time my car got flooded out on 288 Holmes Road, and I needed to ride back to Acres Home, and he was like, I'll take you to the Galleria, but you got to find a way from there because I ain't going past the Galleria. I'm south side for life. And I'd be like, come on, man. We got to get past this, man. But uh, it's just, you know, it's just how it was. So to, uh, you know, any of this type of stuff was something that, uh, you know, you, you keep an open mind about. You just try to keep, a, you know, like I say, be even keeled about it. Try not to let people get under your skin on certain things. And, you know, and and, and you live and you learn. Man, you know that South Side, North Side thing uh, I be hearing about, I didn't even know we were supposed to not like each other. Yeah. I didn't even know. Like, I mean, like, I found out, like, years later. I'm talking about, like, I was like, damn, we've been hating each other for five yeah. years now? We didn't, didn't even know. I, I didn't know. Like, because yeah. I've never I've never looked at the South Side of Houston like it was a different world. Right. Like it was different. Like the people on the South Side were different people. Right. I looked at the South. Now, of course, we have some subtle differences amongst us, or some people might say some uh, some <laughs> some hard differences. But uh, we are H Town. I yeah. look at it H Town. Like it's H Town. So when I move around, and I move around with these within these city limits, this my city. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think of any part of Houston that's off limits to me. I don't think of any part of Texas that's hey, the United States. You know what I'm saying? I just feel that way. But especially, you know, the city that I lay my head in. I never got a, I never got on that north side, south side bullshit that, you know, east, west. I don't. Yeah. I, I never. 
I always thought it was silly. Yeah. I think it was, I think it's like divide and conquer scare tactics of just trying to, oh, they different than you. So you're not supposed to like them. They live over there. We live here. So we're not supposed to like them. And then, you know, it get to be, well, are we going to go take their girls? They going to, you know, they trying to take our girl. We're going to go take their girl, you know, and then they go from that to, man, I, I, I used to have uh, some people I knew that were still cars on the north side. They from the north side. They were still cars. But they were still cars on the north. They from the north side with still cars on the north side. And then you find the car abandoned somewhere with everything taken off of it. And they spray paint south side on south, it. Yeah, or yeah. vice versa. They go to the yeah. south side, yeah. steal a car and, and spray paint north side on it. But they from the south side. And they do it right. just to make you think it was somebody else. Even though it was somebody from right around the corner. But people that, that behave that way to me, they they think small. Right. Uh, there are artists, not just in Houston, but around this country, who are singularly, singularly focused on um, being hot in the neighborhood. They don't even care about what's going on outside of their block, their neighborhood. They just want to be the top dog in their neighborhood, or they want to be the top dog in the city. They only think city, citywide. That's it. Like... And my thoughts is like, okay, well, what's the highest plateau? Like, what's the apex? That's where I'm going. Yeah. Like, who yeah. is the competition? I never. I looked at everybody. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Not Houston, not <laughs> Texas, not the South. Everybody. So when people start talking that, even when people start talking that South stuff, you know, the yeah. South this and you know the East Coast this and what's been try, uh, trying to put the South in the box. Like, nah, partner. Like, Andre, we got something to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got something to say. You you say you took the name Paul Wall and ran with it. There's a lot of artists today who have start, started to use their actual government names. Do you ever have any regret that you didn't use your government name? Like, Slade, I mean, Slade yeah. kind of dope, you know? Like, yeah, not really. Short Slade, you know? Yeah. Killer Slade, yeah. you know? Nah, I mean it wasn't. This, that was my stepdad' last name. I and my biological father. You know, I didn't really feel a connection to him at all. I hadn't seen him since I was like four or five years old. Mm -hmm. He was a drug addict. He addicted to heroin. He was not somebody that I would aspire to be or like that I would look up to. Is and he still alive? I think he is. Um, but he's not somebody I ever want to uh, to see. He's a child molester, mm -hmm. man. When. Actually, when uh, the last time my parents got divorced, and I would see him on the weekends. So you supposed, you know, when your parents get divorced, you see him like maybe every other weekend, uh, once a month, something like that. Well, that would be like that would turn into like once every six months, and then that would turn into okay, maybe once or twice a year. And then I remember uh, at some point, this is probably when I was, let's see, where was I at? Uh, I was probably in kindergarten or first grade. Right around, it was before I was in second grade, and I'm just basing this off of the school I was at. But, I, you know, he went and kidnapped a girl, married her. He, quote, unquote, married her, but she was, like, 12 years old, uh, and then took her to Canada. And I ain't seen him since. That's the last time I seen him. So it's one of them things where, shit, I don't want to have nothing to do with him, so ain't no way I'm going to claim his name or, or none of that. And then when that happened, too, his whole family, like any of his relatives – you know, they, from my perspective, they they turned their back on us. It was just me and my sister and my mama, 
And my grandparents who lived, my grandparents lived in Austin, but it was just me, my sister, and my mama, you know, living Did, did in they turn their back on y'all because they were in denial or they were, uh, they didn't like the fact that you guys wanted to hold him accountable? Mm -hmm. Or was it just the fact that he turned his back so they turned their back? I think a little bit of all of the above. He was kind of like the, uh, the, the black sheep of the family, of his family. So they already kind of didn't fool with him too much. Uh, and then, you know, and that's why, you know, I, I, it's something as you grow older, you, you as a kid, I mean, I was high, I blamed all of them, man. Fuck all of them, man. They left us hanging. But as you get older, you know, it's like nuances when you know people that get divorced and it's, it's tough sometimes where the family want to reach out, but they can or whatever, this type of thing. But, you know, my mama is one of the mamas that's like the sweetest, nicest people you will ever meet on earth. You know, there's, there's people like that sometimes you meet and she's one of them where, she literally wouldn't hurt a fly. Like if there was an ants crawling on her, she wouldn't kill them because she think they got spirits and she don't want to kill an ant creature. You know, she one of them type of people. So she, I'll tell, I'll tell you, she one of them people where it's like, okay, if you get into it with her, it ain't her, it ain't on her. You know what I'm saying? She one yeah. of them type of people. So it's like, okay, I don't know, but uh. I, so I don't know. I don't know how much of that they knew or whatever. All I know is. We had bills that needed to be paid. My mom was a single parent. She, as a teacher, she, you know, she was a teacher for 30 years. Teachers, we all know they don't get paid. So it was, uh, it, it, she was, she would be kind of looking for help. And, you know, my biological father wouldn't provide it. You know, his family wouldn't provide it. Then later on, come to find out, I just found this out, like, maybe 2017. I asked my mom just because, you know, I, I, it's something, you know, I, I personally just, move on from like I try not to think about a harp on it. even as a kid you know it's all right I'm not gonna let this define who I am I'm gonna go out and be somebody with my life you know I'm a I'm not gonna think about this every day if I do think about it it's gonna be to fuel me but not on some oh, I'm gonna prove them wrong type of thing you know mm. nothing, nothing like that just on some I, I was a very firm believer in that God had a plan for me and that everything that happens in my life is just an ingredient to go into the recipe of whatever the plan is. So you you take one of them small ingredients out and it just don't taste the same. You know, you add too much of an ingredient it's also not going to taste the same. So I just was like, OK, hey, God, hey, I'm going to follow this path where you, you point the direction and I'm going to follow. I'm not going to ask questions. So that's that's how it was. But for uh, for. You know, like I said, I never had any intention of using his name. But like I said, oh, I, I, oh yeah, I'll get sidetracked. I just found this out recently. And it's like, damn, I don't know how to feel about this. You know, we grew up, we didn't have no money. You know, like I say, we had more than some. We had a lot less than a lot others. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't the, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get into the, 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 the poor Olympics. Like, oh, I had it worse than all this. Deep. I was silver medal in the poor Olympics. No, 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 no. So I'm not going to. Complain or none of that. Whatever I had, I'm grateful that I had, you know, even if it was small. But then I find out later on in life, my biological grandfather or great-grandfather was some type of oil tycoon. was like, man, super multi-million, like almost billionaire. And I'm like, man, what? And we grew up like this. Where was y'all at? Like, man. like, I, I, And then you, that's when I really start feeling like, I don't know, it starts to seep in like almost a, a anger of like, Damn, man, y'all really left us hanging like that, man. Y'all really left us out there like that. But then I see, I think of a, a sense of gratitude of of growing up the way I did because I seen people who had it all and how they turned out. 
like I said from the jump, they wasn't happy. Most of the time they wasn't happy. Or if it was, it was, you know, fleeting. Were they happy for the moment? And then right after that, they stressed out and miserable. You know, uh, and I, I think about all the things that I do have, even though compared to what I could have had, you know, what I did have wasn't much. I'm still so grateful for the things I had. And it, it had a tremendous impact on me being grateful now, like uh, grateful for what I have now. But when my mom married my stepfather, that's when things started to get a little bit better. We got two incomes. You know, we, uh, you know, we, we went from, you know, a, a, a lower to the middle class and, you know, then to lower, lower middle class and it's a, okay, just middle class and okay, we kind of coming up here, you making some money. And it was, uh, okay, that's when you really get to be appreciative and you see the journey, the hard work of where we are to where we're, you know, how far we've come to where we want to go. And it's just, it's one of those things, you know, when you're a kid, you think stuff fall out the sky in your lap. You think people rich and, oh, he rich. Oh, let me have some money. And now I'm rich too. And it, it don't work like that. You got to put in years and years and years of training, of hard work for whatever you want to do. And mm-hmm. you put out the energy that you want to get back. And if you put out the energy of you want to quick come up or you want to get over on people, then somebody going to have a quick come up and they're going to get over on you. Uh, if you put out there that you want to, you know, you're willing to put in the hard work, take the time to really learn whatever trade you're trying to do. For me, it was hip hop or whatever, you know, whatever else I had going on. You know, I'm going a, I'm to a do right by people. And if something bad happened by circumstance or accident, man, I'm just going to eat the bullet just so that we can have peace and we can get prosperous. If somebody trying to get over on me, it's different. But if, you know, it was a, if something happened and it's nobody's fault or, it, you know, we're we going to make it work. I'm going I'm to... I'm a, uh, I've always tried to be a problem solver, you know, whatever the situation might be. But now nah, that last name, I don't know. Paul Wall is uh that's something too that's like, man, maybe should I change my name to Paul Wall? That's something I'm gonna change my name too, like change my biological name. I had to change it once when my mama remarried. Am I gonna change it again? I thought about it here and there, but I don't know. You gotta change the kids. Name. Yeah, change the kids' name, change all, that. name and all that. Yeah. yeah. Ghetto Boys Reloaded Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. 
Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Apparently, you, uh, well, I would say, obviously, that you can't be responsible for the actions that your parent take, right? But do anybody ever try to, like, label you because of the actions of your dad? Do they ever try to, like, throw that in your face and say, oh, your dad this, or you probably this, or whatever, whatever? Definitely, man. Just from the first time I ever mentioned it. And, you know, it's not something that I just go around just telling people, but as 
you get older, you realize there are other people who experienced similar childhoods or they something, some you know, where it's somewhat similar and they also are ashamed of it. Now, I grew up my whole life ashamed of my biological father, the things he did. These are horrible things that, you know, you you hear about. And it's like, man, that's what I came from. You think, is, is that who I'm going to be? You know, so I spent my whole life making sure, man, I ain't never going to do that. You know, the type of things he did, you know, um, but... Definitely, like I say, the first time I spoke out about it, you know, from there, it's people all kind of, you know, calling me all kind of names. Like, I didn't what I, I ain't the one that did it. I'm exposing him for doing it. You know, what are you talking about? But, uh, you know, I, again, I think those are, some of it is like, you know, the scare tactics people have of trying to get people to shut up and not talk about stuff. Because mm-hmm. if you just don't talk about it, then you don't realize it goes on, you know. And uh, if you don't realize it goes on, and it can keep going on right under your nose. And... But, I, you know, I feel also a sense of, like, a, a shame from him doing it, but also just because of the age I was. I was so young at the time. Like, damn, like, is it something I, I – man, matter of fact, the, uh, the, the, the girl my father, my biological father kidnapped, when we would go see him on the weekends, she was 12 years old. She'd be over there. You know, I'm, I'm five years old, so she 12 to me. That's a grown-up. You know, you, you see a 12 year old with a wig on and makeup dressed like a grown up. That's a grown up. You're not she questioning. Had a wig on? She had a, you know, full grown wig, makeup? makeup, dressed like a grown person. He's like, yeah, this is my new girlfriend, whatever. And I'm, we just like, okay, you know, I don't, I'm not knowing it's a, a child, you know, uh. a, a kid, but you, I feel like, damn, man, how could I have not known? What should I have said? You know, well, who am I going to tell? You know, oh, hey, mama, daddy got a new girlfriend, you know, like, even then, like, my mom wouldn't have known, oh, you got a girlfriend? He a grown man. You know, why wouldn't he have a girlfriend? But you're not thinking it's a, a child. But, even you know, the, I think for me, this, this particular uh, girl, man, when they ended up, they went to Canada and they got caught or something happened. They got caught. They came back to America. When they came back to America, this girl killed herself. So it's like, man, this shit is, to me, I feel like, damn, you know, you think like, okay, any change of action might have changed the whole course of her life. So if she, you never know. Even as a five year old, what am I supposed to say? What am I gonna say? But damn, you, I feel like a sense of guilt of damn. I, I should have known because you know, as a as a grown up now, you see a twelve year old in a wig. You, man, that's a twelve year old. Yeah, no but that's as a grown up. That's as a grown up. You yeah. can't put that on you, bro. Yeah, I, I know that, but you know, it's that's you a, that's that survivor's remorse. You, so, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, damn, man, this is. And then being that it was my actual biological father, but it's that's why it's that yeah. that sense of shame of man. I'll never take on his name, man. Yeah, you can't put that on yourself, and likewise, nobody else can put that on you. And for all you uncivilized mutts out there. They be in the whoever, comments. They sure be trying. All you uncivilized mutts out there, whoever tried to pin something like that, that man's, uh, you know, uh, father's actions on him, you know, every last one of y'all going to hell in a handbasket. See, a lot of times, man, this is why I think it's important to be very, very careful of the information that you put out there because the uncivilized mutts of the world will take that information and they'll try to use it against you. Right. You know, like right. even when you're trying to help somebody, even you see what you did was very honorable. You put that information out there because there's other people that are living that, that, that life that has those similar experiences. And they need to know that is people like you can come from the absolute worst of humankind and they can turn out like you, you know, Yeah. because 
I don't know anybody that don't like Paul Wall. I'm, I'm sure you got your enemies, but I'm saying in in just general general conversations or whatever, I've never heard somebody say anything bad about Paul Wall. Yeah, I've I've overheard people say bad shit about me more often. <laughs> 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 you, know, yeah. you know, so, yeah. so, so, so you, you're a good dude, bro. And, and, you know, you yeah. should absolutely not feel any type of shame when somebody's try to uh, put that something like that on you. Uh, that's another a way of blaming the victim yeah. because you are right. so victimized yeah. by, by having to live with yeah. that burden of having a father, you know, who is a child molester, you know. This guy's he's it's one of the worst, yeah. right? So you're also a victim. And for somebody to n not realize that shows you how uncivilized they are. Yeah. It's sad that uh, you know, this happened and you know, so like I say, my whole life I've always been on a path of I'm not gonna do that. So whatever he did that made him do that, was it drugs? Was it he was alcoholic? Was it because he was molested? He was molested also by a, a pastor when he was young, which probably started mm -hmm. the path of yeah. him to do that. Because a lot of times the, the victims, hurt yeah, hurt, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, um, although, you know, it's that's a, also a touchy subject because then people who have been molested instantly get pointed as, as they're the molester. Uh, you're going to do it, too, because you were molested. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's completely unfair. But. You know, I, I, um, Miss Parker, I, I got a chance to, uh, you know, a long time ago uh, work with Miss um, Parker shout from Pants Against Predator. Parker. Yeah, and when she approached me to to help her do something one time, I was like, hell yeah, I'd love to do something with this. Like just because of my background, I, I always wanted to be an advocate for children, or especially uh, hurt children of uh, children who are, are victims of predators, stuff like that. So ever since she came to me, I think that might have been like. 2012, 2011, sometime around there. Man, I've been, man, we do stuff all the time. Well, she do stuff all the time anyway, but I'm doing stuff with her all the time, just being an advocate. But even then, you know, you'll see something and every now and then somebody else say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, Paul, he, you know, he a, he a child molester just like his daddy. Like, man, well, God damn, what you mean? I'm over here advocating for kids. What you, man, what you talking about? But uh, to me, I think that just be the, you know, the ignorance some people have, but you know, you got to fight through that to if you really want to be an advocate for children and people, you got to realize that there are people sometimes extremely powerful people like, you know, the Epstein's of the world or whatever, who have money, power, reach, authority that they can silence you if they want to. So if some rapper want to, you know, speak out against something, it ain't too many calls they got to make to shut me up. You know what I'm saying? If they wanted to for whatever it is, you know, if I'm. I'm smoking weed in my studio and, oh, they, they'll let you make it because I'm not hurting nobody. It's just weed. All right, well, you pissed the wrong person off. They're going to push that button. Hey, he's smoking weed. Go get his ass right now, you know, for mm -hmm. whatever petty thing that they might let slide or, you know, you, they following you watching. I got a, you know, expired registration on my car. They waiting for me to pull out because they know, okay, he in a slab. I know he got a pistol on him. Okay, expired registration. We're going to get your pistol. He might have some. Mm -hmm. He might smell like weed. So then we're going to, oh, this and that, you know. Okay, boom. Now you just whatever. Just to, a lot of times it don't even be to, you know. And, I and I, you know, a lot of times it don't even be to send you to jail. A lot of times it be to hurt your image, to destroy your image of, oh, he was caught with 
guns and weed and this, even though the gun was registered to me, and all, you know what I'm saying? Even whatever, whatever it may be, it's just for the headline of to destroy somebody's character. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And there are definitely powerful people out there who who aren't afraid or ashamed or, you know, they, they get a kick out of doing that to people. But, you know, at the end of the day, if the, the, the purpose is to speak up for children who don't have an advocate, don't have somebody speaking up for them, then, you know, in the grand scheme of, scheme of things, what's worse? Somebody talking about me, you know, on the internet in a comment, or somebody actually getting hurt and molested and whatever as a child victim. Mm -hmm. So, you know, somebody talking, saying some words that are typed out, you know what I'm saying, on a you know what I'm saying, on a screen that you scrolling past, you know, it can it can those words can hurt sometimes. If you feed into it, it can definitely ruin your day or really fuck you up. But at the end of the day, when you weighing the two on the scale, which one is, you know, got a heavier or, or, or weight? You know what I'm saying? Uh, the words on the internet or the actual child is being hurt. And I'm not a fool to think that, oh, just because I say something that's going to, oh, you know, I spoke up against, you know, child victims. That's the end of all child trafficking. No, nah, I know that ain't, you know, but you got to like look past the the people that you got to see past the people that will try to tear you down, bring you down. And you got to really think about what you're doing it for. To your point, what you do is. When those uncivilized mutts rear their head, you just say, oh, I see what you're doing. I see what that is. That's how you got to do it. Just be like, oh, you're trying to get me off my square. Right. That's all that is. They uncivilized much. They ain't going to be shit. The daddy wasn't shit. Right, right. His daddy wasn't shit. Yeah. His mama wasn't shit. The grandparents wasn't shit. They ain't going to be shit. Their children ain't going to be shit. And you gotta have that kind of mentality, man. I know that ain't you, but that's yeah. me. That's me. I'm trying yeah. to. I'm trying to channel some Willie D. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I need you know, it. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be gangster. I'm with accepting that. all of the you Willie D. Energy. Yes, bro. Like that. That's the, that's my mentality. Yeah. I like like I see it. I see when these uncivilized much are speaking out against my name, and they they don't even know me. They don't have. They don't know nothing about me. Right. And but they see I'm shining. So they ain't talking about you if you're not shining. So they see me shining. They got to put my name in their mouth. You know, so I get it. I see what they're doing. And, you know, I see you in traffic. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not going to stop my life to to go deal with all, all yeah. of that, man. Because I see that's what you want. Right. So I'm going to give you everything that you ain't looking for. You dig what I'm saying? Man, back in the early 2000s, you, Chameleon Air, Mike Jones, Slim, Y'all were killing it. I mean, y'all, y'all, all y'all just took yeah. off. And w I thought it was like, you know, we had a, like a H Town revolution going on in hip hop, and we was just gonna take this thing to the next level, next level, level. And and, and it was I was almost like, you know, after you know uh, two three years of it, the brakes just yeah. everything came to a screeching halt. What happened? Man, I think about that a lot and thinking, okay, did we make wise, wise decisions, wise choices in how we handle certain things? Or could we have took different routes on things? I correlate a lot of it to, you know, uh, just sports activities. Like right now, Lamar Jackson, you know, he talking about he want to be traded from the Ravens. Okay. You think about, you know, where, where we're at today. 
But five years from now, looking back, we're going to be able to look back and say, oh, well, if he would have did this or he did could have did this or that was a good decision he made because he got traded to this team and they went on to win the Super Bowl. Whatever, you know, whatever you you look back at the decision. But, you know, you look at those sports decisions, you know, you, you look at somebody who's a, a marquee player like that, a former MVP, you know what I'm saying? Like, OK, and, and he's so young, too. Should he take less money? For, a, you know, a deal just so that he could be on a, a team and they can use that money in other places? Or if he does that, is the team just going to say thank you and pocket the money? Or are they going to really use it to, you know, allocate that money to go get him, you know, lineman or receiver or whatever he might need? You know, uh, if he goes all out and gets every dollar he's worth, you know what I'm saying, are they going to give it to him? 55 million, 60 million, whatever it might be, whatever the going rate for a quarterback is now. You know what I'm saying? Is he going to get that, you know, because he's worth it and he got it, but now that handicapped their ability to go get other players and pay other people. You know, what is the perfect recipe? I look at the same way with us with the hip-hop. We all knew our value. The one thing I can say is we were all on the same accord, even without – Talking to like we didn't ever sit down and have a, a roundtable discussion. Hey, this is what we gonna do when we go go to the labels or when we're when we're renegotiating our, our contract. This is what we gonna do. This is our our strategy. Our stand. We never did none of that. But mm -hmm. just coming from the same background, the same come up, we all seen it clear as day. You know uh, what our value was, what we were capable of, where we had came from. Just, just coming from the underground, the independent game. I think it's different than when a lot of artists get signed to a major label and that's their first record deals with a major label, a lot of times artists like that, they seem to be kind of major for life. And when they're not major, they're no longer an artist. But the independent artists, you know, they, in, they're they artists for life. You know, my, my favorite artists that were independent are still putting music out, you know, and that was the career path I wanted. This is something I love. So I want to put out, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be, Wally Nelson, Willie Nelson. I'm trying to be Wally Nelson. Yeah, I'm Paul Wally Nelson. I'm gonna be 80 years old on tour. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna be putting yeah. new music out, whatever, and, and selling them grills. Yeah, selling grills. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I wanted to run down a quick checklist of names that I think of often uh, when I think of you. These are names that I associate with you, and I want you to tell me what your re your current relationship is like with each of these individuals. Let's start with Chameleonaire. My boy. We grew up together, had the same dreams, same goals. We came up together. Then we went our separate ways and we had tremendous solo success. We were able to put our differences to the side, come back together, appreciate the brotherhood we had as children, appreciate the success we achieved as young men. Where we at today is that's that's my boy. I'm happy for him, proud of him. Anytime I see his name, see him anywhere, I'm, you know, rooting for him. Just like as if, you know, Jose Altuve hit a home run or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's somebody I joke with all the time about coming out of retirement. Although he always remind me he's not retired. I always, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, be joking with him like, man, I might have to sacrifice myself to the rap gods and dish you or something. I'm going to put out a, a I'm a disc command just to wire them up to come out of retirement. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not no yeah. battle rapper or nothing like that. And if I went against anybody, especially if I went against command, it would probably destroy me. But <laughs> I'll be just laughing like, man, I might, 
I'm gonna dish comedian just to just to bring him out of retirement. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna sacrifice myself, you know, for Texas hip hop, man. Come on, comedian, come back. But nah, that's that's my boy, man. And uh, shit, man. I know he getting his money, but I always be like, okay, one day, one day, me and him gonna put out another album, man. We gonna put out another album. Talking about rooting for comedian, I remember when he won that Grammy for what was it? Riding uh, dirty, yeah, dirty, right? Uh, Black Cat. Clyde yeah. called me and he was like, he said, yeah, man, you know Chameleon, won, Chameleon that won that Grammy, huh? And I said, yeah, we won. You dig? So I, I feel you when you talk about uh, wanting to see him win. Yeah. I feel that. Let's let's quickly go through some other names. G-Dash. G-Dash. Another somebody who, you know, we got a, a long history with. I don't see him too often uh, anymore, just because I'm not signed to him as a uh, as an artist. So when, I, when you sign to him as an artist, you talk to him all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I see him at events or whether it be like you know the rodeo or somebody's birthday or one of my events, he'll come out to or a Swisher House event I'll go to. But he's just somebody, you know. When uh uh, uh you know I get long winded too, man. You know I talk for an hour about it. every one of these people, but. <laughs> now, but you, I, I know that's why. I said, yeah, let's, I always say let's, quickly, let's quickly, quickly. Let's yeah. quickly go through. Yeah, but he, he's somebody who, man. When I, you know, me and Camino went our separate ways. I didn't have a, a a record deal on the table from any label in the world. Everybody was like, "Yeah, you was cool with Camino. Let me know when y'all get back together." You solo artist, good luck to you. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of how it would be. He's, you know, T. Ferris said, hey, man, I talked to Dash and Watts. They got a contract for you if you want it. I said, man, yeah, yeah, I want it. They don't know. It's the only offer I got, period. Right. Shit, I don't, I don't got no <laughs> other options. Is right. this or I had a good run, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, man, shout out to G-Dash, man. Michael 5000 Watts. Michael 5000 Watts. I met him when I was 14, passing out flyers, and he gave me that shot. It was like, all right, I was that annoying kid that used to bug him and call him. And he's just like, yeah, man, come on. He took me under his wing and, man, showed me so much, man. He he allowed me to, you know, showcase my talent on his platform and switch the house tapes. Another one, man. Boy, I, I love them for life, man. Everybody, everybody you name it, man, yeah, I love them for life. Johnny Dash. Uh, Johnny Day, my boy, boy, Johnny, man. Boy, I never thought, you know, when you're a child, you see things you want. Like, if, if this is a car you want, you see a Lamborghini. I say Johnny Dash, Johnny Dang. Yeah, jo- Johnny oh, yeah. Dash. Uh, G- G- I got the G. Yeah, G-Dash, Johnny Dash. I'm, I'm talking like a G, man. And hey, that might be Johnny's new nickname, Johnny Dash. That <laughs> might be, Johnny that might Johnny be his Dash. new rap name. But imagine you see, like, a Lamborghini. You're like, oh, I always want to have a Lamborghini. You never would think that you'd, you know, have a Lamborghini store. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And that's how it is with Johnny. Like, I always want a jury, but I never thought I would be a part of something like so major is, is that, you know, just just even being friends with Johnny, you know, not mm-hmm. even being business partners or doing jury together, any of that, just being friends with him, man. He's such an icon for the city, man. And I think we have a similar energy of where we want to have, we want to be happy. We want to be in a good mood. When we see other people, hey, what's up, man? How you been? What's up? You know, so that when you see other people, it'll, it'll bring out of you. And me and Johnny, man, he, we got that, uh, we, we hustle in tandem, man. We, we when I met Johnny, he had a you know a, he are, he still got that, that accent. But when I met him, boy, his English it was difficult. He needed closed captions for real, <laughs> and that's where we where we really meshed. Because like I said, 
I always had an affinity for immigrants just because my my mother and my grandfather or my grandparents, they lived all around the world. You know, so growing up, my grandparents, their friends were all immigrants or of other races. There was never white people coming in and out of any of these homes that I was in. So, you know, whether it's just other Americans or, you know, immigrants in general, there were other, you know, I always had affinity. I love for people from elsewhere like you know like you from where what's it like there what do you eat there what's your how do they talk there how do you say this there you know whatever it is so you know when you meet johnny you know, like it's the same with my neighborhood where it was mixed race a lot of you know where i lived on over there there was a lot of immigrants that would come to houston and this is where they would make their home in our neighborhood so you i would see people from all different walks of life from around the world so seeing johnny i wouldn't get hung up or frustrated because I can't understand what he's saying. I looked at it as a challenge. Hey, what are you saying? I'm going to figure this out. And then, you know, I'd go into the shop and he's arguing with somebody and they arguing because they can't understand each other. And he's speaking English, but barely. Somebody else speaking English, but barely. And I'd be there just like, no, 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 this is what he's saying. No, no, this is what he's saying. And just just translating English to English, you know. Uh, and we end up being good friends and business partners too but the friendship i think is uh above all else even with our our business relationship the the money it's not based on money at all it's you know our, our relationship is you know based off of success success of the business what do we got to do to make the business be a success not a success this year this season but how can we pass this on to our kids how can it be generational how can we make an impact in our community whether it's our immediate community outside the store, the community where we grew up, came from, community where we live now, the community where our customers are, our fans are, all of that is our community. So how can we big up our community? How can we uplift our community, give back? All these things, it's, it's something that, man, you know, I, I've been truly blessed to have a, a friend and a partner like Johnny Dane because you see a lot of other jewelers, you know, it's not always like that. Usually it's about them and their their individual family. You see a lot of other rappers, it's the same. It's not about, you know, building things. It's about how much can I get for me. Mm -hmm. And both of us together, it really is. Yeah, uh, win -win is going. It's been dope. Crystal, your wife. That's my wife. That's my. That's number yeah. one. That's number one on yeah. the list. Man, she changed my life, man, when I met her. It was instant falling in love, man. Love when I'm love at first sight things where you see her. Where'd y'all meet? I first met her on TSU campus. At the time, though, she had a boyfriend and, uh, you know, and I didn't think nothing of it. She didn't think of it. You know, we, we wasn't no hollering type of thing. It's just something you bump into on TSU campus. And then next thing you know, they broke up, you know, year, a couple of years go by. I'm passing out flyers for a club play downtown. Me and my boy Goo used to do on Thursday nights, college night. Um, we had club rhythms. She, I was on my rise trying to come up as a rapper she's on her rise also trying to come up as a singer at that time in a singing group she's out there trying to sell her cds i'm trying to sell my cds my friends trying to holler at her friends and well they ain't trying to buy no cds they just trying to holler at them and i'm just like man y'all got us looking broke man buy a five to ten dollar cd man at least so we ain't gonna be looking broke so i buy a cd from her the cd ended up being scratched uh, and, you know, so then, you know, I, I, I end up giving her a flyer. Also, hey, hey, why don't you come to our spot on Thursday? So she came Thursday to our club. You know, Rhythms was like, I don't know, Sunday night, Monday night. And we seen it at Thursday at the club. And I'm like, man, you know, the CD you sold me was scratched. Then I was DJing at the time real heavy. So I would do, you know, screwed and chopped mixtapes, 
I would DJ clubs, whatever. I DJ, you know, on community radio stations here and there as a guest DJ. Anything DJ related, I was out there doing. So, you know, when I got the CD from him, my vision was, all right, I'm going to screw and chop this for her and give it to her. And, you know, this is my romantic way of, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to take your, I'm gonna take y'all, y'all CD and I'm going to screw and chop it for you. And yeah, and then I'm going to get, you know, this, then I'm going to get me and you going to be a couple, you know, now we're going to be dating. But the CD was scratched. So when she came to the club Thursday, it was like, man, you know, that CD you gave me was scratched. And, I, you know, it's of all the times I seen her from the first time I seen her at TSU to when I seen her at Rhythms, when I seen her at club play and she walked past me, it was one of them things where it's a, an energy that, you know, if, if you know, Obama was to walk in the room right now, we would feel it like, man, we what does that feel? I feel somebody behind me. Who is it? Or whoever. Or Trump. It could be. I mean, and I don't mean this I'll in a slap good. Slap that joke <laughs> the head. I don't mean not. Nah, I don't mean in a good way. I just mean like the energy is there. You're like, man. Like, who is this behind it? Like, what's what's going on? You know, shit. Yeah, it's a. It ain't too many presidents. It's not too many of them that maybe shouldn't be slapped. I feel yeah, like, quite a few of them deserve a, a nice gonna, slapping. They're not gonna like me talking about yeah. Obama. Trump, boy. That's, boy, they Obama and Trump, they got some of the most uh strongest supporters ever, bro. Yeah. Like you can't tell them yeah. no, they they never did anything wrong. Yeah. But I tell you what, man, Paul Wall, man, it's been beautiful sitting down with you, man. You know, we could talk for hours and you know, obviously, you know, we're gonna we gotta do this again. Like I come back for a part two. We gotta come back yeah, for two, man. three, four, five. You know what I'm saying? The door is always open for you, man. We appreciate you. We appreciate your contribution to hip hop and to society at large, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Wall. No more talk. This episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. 
in recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.